Well, good morning, Grace. Isn't it so awesome to be together this morning, this beautiful Sunday morning together as a church, singing to our God and King, Jesus Christ, who is able to do all things. We're going to sing this morning to our great God and King. Sing this out together. We sing, God is able. God is able. He will never fail. He is almighty God. Greater than all we seek. Greater than all we ask. He has done great things. Lifted up. Defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name we overcome, for the Lord our God is able, We sing this out together again. God is with us, breathes on our side, and God is with us, God is on our side, He will make a way, far above all we hope, far above all we hope, He has done great things, lift it up, lift it up. He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name we overcome, for the Lord our God is able, yeah. oh, our God is
a crown of thorns upon his head the father's heart displayed for us and oh god we thank you for the cross we sing this together we sing lift it up and lift it on calvary's hill we curse your name and even still you bore our shame and paid the cost and oh god we thank you for the cross we sing this out together we sing behold the lamb and behold the lamb the story of redemption written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. We sing your praise. Endless hallelujahs to your
flesh and made this world your home trembling in reverence lord we love god but overcome by such unmerited love sing jesus jesus my savior I bow at your birth, awed by the mercy that brought you to earth, leaving the angels in glorious light for the deep shadows of Bethlehem night.
beautiful picture that entire song is that we praise a high king of heaven who stepped down from his throne who took on a birth in a manger in a dark and cold cave lived a perfect life on this earth yet took on our sins and bore a cross bore a sinner's death for us just as it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall gain eternal life. And that's why we praise him. That's why we sing, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. And Jesus, we morning. We thank you for just the freedom to praise your name, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to your word, that in this setting, in this moment, that our hearts would be prepared to listen to your word. God, I pray that you would be with Pastor Nathan as he, as he speaks from your truth, from your holy word, Lord. I lift up this morning in your Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning, Grace. We are so glad that you've joined us here this morning for our Sunday morning worship services. My name is Ron Bruska, and I'm on the elder board here at Grace. And I just want to introduce to you today some of the ways that you can get connected and involved here at our church. We want to stay connected to you, so we've provided a cutout inside the Sunday Bulletin this morning, and all we're asking of you is to tear that out, fill it out, let us know you're here. Let us know if there's some kind of ministry you want to get involved with, or if we can just pray for you in a matter. And when you're done with that, just drop it in the offering bag at the end of the service. Hi, my name is Frank Leonard, and I'm an elder here at Grace Community Church. And in next month, we're going to be starting a class called Boot Camp, where we get to learn about five assurances that the Bible provides for us that assure us of God's promises as we try to grow in our Christian faith. This class is designed for new Christians, as well as Christians that might know these assurances already, but need a little refresher. This class was a five-week class. It starts on September 19th, and it's during the first hour. And so all you do is just go down the hall to Smith Chapel in the Family Life Center. And we'll do that for the first hour and then you can catch the service next hour, uh, do second service for the regular uh, teaching under Pastor Nathan. To join the class, what you need to do is circle C on your tear out sheet in your program, or you could also register by flipping it over and using the QR code on the back with your phone. It's time to get back to basics, so I'll see you next month. Also included in this morning's worship service will be a time of giving, giving our first and best back to God as an act of worship. Certainly God doesn't need our money. 
After all, he owns everything. He's given us everything we have. So we worship him by cheerfully giving our first and best back to him. Now, if you're visiting this morning, please don't feel obligated to give. Those who call Grace their church home faithfully support our ministry. Again, thank you for joining us this morning. Now let's get back to worship. Well, hey, good morning to you, Grace. It is so good to see you this morning. And if you are visiting us for the first time today, I want to welcome you. My name is Nathan. I hope you sit back and relax and enjoy your Sunday morning. If you've visited us any time in the last three weeks, you have no idea who I am. <laughs> and uh, that is because our pastor emeritus, Brian Smith, preached an excellent sermon series about the three keys to personal peace. And so if uh, you missed any of those, our website is fully undemandable. And so if uh, you missed one of those, uh, you can go to gccriverside.com and all of our sermons on video on our website on demand. Uh, audio is there. And so if you want to uh, listen to one of those sermons while you're exercising or while you're in the car, you can uh, get the audio. If uh, you want to watch on your iPad at home or on your computer at work on your break, <laughs> not while you're working, uh, but you can get them there. And so if you need a little peace, um, because of things that are swirling in your own life or things going on outside of you and your family or things that are going on around the world, we all need a little bit of peace. If you missed any of those, gccverside.com and you can catch that sermon series from Pastor Brian. Now, if you've been around here any time at all, you know that during the summertime, we study an entire book of the Bible during the summertime. And so we've been studying the book of Galatians. And so would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. And if you've enjoyed this, if you've enjoyed this study this summer, the book in Galatians, I hope you have. I have. I'm learning along with you. And if you've enjoyed this, uh, beginning next month, the Wednesday after Labor Day, we're starting our verse-by-verse -verse, uh, on Wednesday nights during prime time. And so if you like this kind of study and style of uh, going through a book of the Bible, we're going to do that this fall on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And uh, don't worry, you'll, I'll remind you, but I just kind of want to get that in your brains that we're going to continue this on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock during prime time, just the first Wednesday after Labor Day. But we're studying the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is an interesting one because it's written by Paul, and most of Paul's letters are either written to a particular person or a particular place, a particular church. And so uh, most of his letters are written either to a person like Timothy, so you get 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, or they're written to a particular place like Corinth. And so you have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians or Thessalonica or Thessaloniki. And so that's where you get 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. But the book of Galatians is different because Galatia is not a person. I guess you could name your kid that. Is that a more boy name or a girl name? I have no idea. You could name someone Galatia, but it's not a, a particular person. And Galatia is not a particular city. Galatia is a region. And that region is in what is in modern-day Turkey. And so this is the Google map of it. And uh, 
this is what it looks like at modern times. You're not going to find Galatia on a map. This is not like it is in your Bible that has all the Bible names in these areas. This is just Google Maps. This is what it is today in the countries that are there today. It's the same landscape. It's just different country names. Some things that haven't changed. On the lower right-hand side where the water meets the sand there, that's Israel. That's Jerusalem. And in the first century, all of the Christians were there. Lower right-hand side of that map in Jerusalem, all the Christians were there. But then God needed the gospel to go around the world, and so God sent missionaries out, and so he sent Paul, the apostle Paul, out. And so he headed north, that's up the map, up the, right on the border of the water and the sand up there. He got up and he made the left-hand turn into what is now Turkey. And he spread the gospel all around Turkey. And, and that's a good thing because... The gospel means good news, and that's a good thing because everybody has experienced the bad news. Everybody has said something they shouldn't have said, thought something they shouldn't have thought, done something they shouldn't have done, and the Bible says the result of that, of the payment for that, is eternity in a place called hell. That's the bad news, but God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God wants people to go to heaven, and so he sent his son Jesus to earth, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, never sinned one time, and so when he died on the cross, he wasn't dying for his sin, he had none. The, the sins that he was dying for were Paul's and all those people that lived in, in Turkey in the first century and mine, and he died for years too. And so any person who puts their faith, their trust in this Jesus, they now have their sins forgiven, washed away because Jesus is God. He proved it when he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday. And so when you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are washed away. What happened to Jesus, the judgment of the sin that occurred is applied in your own life and your sins are washed away. And Jesus wraps you with his robes of righteousness. You're not perfect. You still know that. But it's Jesus' robes of righteousness. Not only that, we are adopted as sons, as children of God, and then we are heirs of everything that is Christ in heaven. And so he's spreading this gospel, this good news, and some people are being saved. They're becoming Christians. They're putting their faith in Jesus. And so then there are a few of them, and so then there are deacons and their elders, and they start a church. And then he moves on and he starts another one. And that happens in that entire area of Turkey, just moving, mo moving across that, that map, just moving across. He finally gets to the other side, kind of the upper right-hand side where he gets to the water, the Aegean Sea. He crosses the Aegean Sea, and you probably can't see it on the map there, but the upper right-hand where the water meets the sand is a city called Thessaloniki. That might sound familiar to you. That's where Paul preached this same gospel, this good news. People got saved and he started a church in Thessaloniki. We know that as the letters to Thessalonia or the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Paul then moves south. That's down the map, down on that side of Greece over there, down the map, starting churches there. He crosses the water again. He ends up on that little island there, kind of the middle center right-hand side there. He ends up on the island. This is Paul's area of ministry. And so as he starts churches, they, they are in areas or they are in regions. And one of those regions is in Galatia. And so this is Galatia. If you were to put Galatia on a modern day map, this is the area where Galatia is. And there were a lot of churches there. The Bible talks about some of them. We know some of the names of those churches, but it doesn't tell us all of them. There were many churches. And Paul writes one letter 
to all of these churches. And the reason is, is because all of these churches were dealing with one issue. And that's what we're going to get to today. And these churches, because they listened to Paul, they were so effective, they changed the entire region of the area. There are these temples to all these gods and goddesses, pagan gods and goddesses, and they ended up turning into churches, some of them, Christian churches, because so many people were putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Very influential in the region. As a matter of fact, historians, secular historians, recognize Paul's influence in that region and the church's influence in that region. So this is from the World History Encyclopedia. This is secular historical account. This isn't uh, biblical or from Christians. But this is what they say. This is what they acknowledge. By the influence of Paul, Galatia grew into one of the most vital Christian centers of the region because of this letter and the effectiveness of the Christians in these churches in Galatia. Now, unfortunately, you look at this map and you're like, well, how come I don't see Galatia like, like when I, I can't find it on Google Maps? Galatia isn't there anymore because in the ninth century, Islamic countries came in and they conquered the land. And ever since the ninth century, there has been almost zero Christian influence in this area. Grace Community Church supports uh, some missionaries in this area that are attempting to spread the gospel just like Paul did to this entire region. Thank you for your sacrificial gifts. It allows us to uh, reach the gospel not just here but around the the world. Um, But Galatia is not on Google Maps anymore. There's one city that uh, outside of Istanbul that has some letters that are kind of the same, (laughs) they're arranged in the same way as Galatia, uh, but maybe it's a nod to it, maybe not. But in this letter that Paul is writing, he appeals to the Galatians' love of freedom and the Galatians' desire for independence. Sound familiar? We like our freedom. We like our independence. And so that's where we are. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Hopefully you found it by now. Galatians chapter 5 Verse 1, he says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Today is all about freedom. And this goes back to a a place in in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, it's on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But this is what it says. Before they were saved, it says, before faith came, before Paul went into Turkey and started to share the gospel, before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. All of these people in Galatia, they had not had faith in Jesus and they were slaves. They were slaves to their own sin. They were slaves to their own flesh, meaning doing whatever they wanted to do. And they were slaves to the law. They were slaves. That's the way that it was. They were slaves. But that didn't last forever because Paul did come with the gospel. And all of you were slaves to your own flesh and your own sin as well. Actually, here's the math, if you're to think through the math. The math is this. You're a slave to your flesh. You do whatever you want to do. You say whatever you want to say. The words come out the way you want to come out. <laughs> you drink whatever you want. You go wherever you want. You think whatever you want about that person. You take whatever you want. And then you feel guilty 
Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And so then you think, oh, I need to do something to make God happy with me again. And so that's being a slave to your sin, doing whatever you want, and then now you're a slave to the law. Here's a long list of things that I need to do to make God happy with me again because I felt guilty about the things that I did in my own flesh. And so we're a sin to our flesh. We're a a slave to sin, we're a slave to flesh, and we're a slave to the law, a list of trying to do good things to make God happy with us. That was before Paul brought the gospel. But then the gospel came. The same thing has happened in your life too. In Galatians chapter four, verse seven, it says, therefore, you are no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to your flesh. And you're no longer a slave to the law, a list of doing good things. You're no longer a slave, but you are a son. And if a son, then you are an heir through God. You were a slave, but now you're free. You are a son, and now you're an heir of all that is Christ in heaven because of the gospel that has been applied in your life. You are free from all of that. You are free from being a slave to sin. You're free from being a slave to your flesh, and you're free from being a slave to the law. And that's what gets us to the verse that we are at today, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where he says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Today is all about freedom. This is freedom. We love our freedom. This is an American topic, even though this is not freedom about an American event. This is, you know, William Wallace, another country. But we play this movie all the time because we love our freedom. It's an American topic. We have an entire day dedicated to our freedom. We get pulled over by a police officer. And you're like, I can do whatever I want. I'm free to drive. I'm free to talk on my phone. I'm free to eat a cup of noodles. I'm free to slap my kids in the back. I'm free to pluck my eyebrows all at the same time. Why? Freedom. We love our freedom. This is an American thing. We love it. We love our freedom. We wear t-shirts that are about our freedom. Rightly, we celebrate those who fight for our freedom. We have songs about our freedom. And so today is about our freedom. And today I'm going to tell you what Paul says about our freedom. And then I'm going to show it to you. And then I'm going to remind you what he says about our freedom. I'm going to tell you what he says. I'm going to show it to you. And then I'm going to remind you what it is. So since I'm telling, this is what it is. This is what Paul says about our freedom. Christian freedom is not doing whatever I want to. Christian freedom is doing what is right even if I don't want to. That's that's the big idea. Christian freedom is not doing what I want to. Christian freedom is doing what is right even if I don't want to. Now, my high school English teacher would kill me for having this on a slide because you are not supposed to end a sentence with the word to. Okay, so all of you English teachers can... Take a deep breath. I get it. I know. I know. But I communicate primarily verbally, and this is the way that you just say it verbally. Christian freedom is not doing whatever I want to. Christian freedom is doing what is right, even if I don't want to. So I told you what what Paul said. Now I want to show it to you. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. 
He says it was for, for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. We all want our freedom and we hate it when someone tells us what to do. I mean, we hate it. This whole pandemic thing has like, it's just bubbled that up. To, Don't tell me what to do. And Paul says, you know, you're right. You are called to freedom. You're like, yeah, America. But see, we think that freedom is doing whatever we want to do. That's, that's our American understanding of freedom. Now, let's kind of get to the context here of Galatia, the, the, the non-Jews, the, the Gentiles living in this area, this region called Galatia. They, they were enslaved. They were enslaved to a long list of do's and don'ts. Not enslaved like, you know, uh, a slave owner and all that. I mean, enslaved to a long list of things that you needed to do to please a, a god and a goddess, you know, some pagan god. Long list of things that they needed to do. One of them is self-castration. That that's the way that you would make this god happy with you. And so they were saved from that. They put their faith in Jesus. They heard that gospel of 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 Jesus, they put their faith in it, and now they're free from the long list of do's and don'ts trying to appease these, these pagan gods. And now what's happened as they're going to church, these Judaizers have come in the church. The Judaizers are Jews who are trying to Jewish eyes Gentiles, and they're saying, you need to be like a Jew. After all, you can't be a good Christian until you're a good Jew. And so the, the, the Galatian people that are, are free, they're like, okay, I get it. I came from a list of rules, and so I guess there's another list of rules to, to do. And Paul, in Galatians 4, just chapter right before, he, he says, but now that you've come to know God, or rather be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again. How come you came out of slavery, this long list of do's and don'ts, uh, castrating yourself, uh, just to appease some goddess? You are freed from that. How come you're now going back into slavery by doing this long list of things that these Jews are telling you to do? You're, you're going, why, why are you going back to that? It was for freedom that Christ set us free, he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And this is the kind of freedom that you don't have to fight for. Jesus has already provided, provided it. It is freedom that is already done. And so we live in it. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that yoke. Yoke. That's a word that we don't really use too much. If we use the word yoke, it's like, wow, Pastor Nathan is yoked. <laughs> I know you have that conversation all the time. <laughs> but a yoke is a big, big piece of, it's a big beam. And sometimes there's, like, there's some relief cuts put in it, some, some arches put in this long beam. And two oxen get get 
get put underneath that beam and it's lowered onto their necks and it's tied to their necks. And then this beam, this yoke, then is tied to a cart and the cart is loaded down with heavy things and it has you know, wooden wheels that sometimes are more square than round and the owners of the oxen and the cart, they have these long sticks And so as that cart gets going and you get to a hill, that stick has a really sharp thing at the end. It's called a goad. And so they would sit sit on the on the back of that, on the front of that cart, and they would jab that goad into the ribs of the ox that are tied to the yoke that's tied to the cart to pull the heavy load, and they would go. That's the yoke. And that's the correlation, this list of things of to do to please God is a yoke. And you were yoked up to it before and you've been free, freed. You've experienced freedom from that yoke. But now you're just re-yoking yourself to another thing to do, to another list. Why are you yoking yourself all over again to just something new, a different yoke? Now, what was the primary yoke that they were dealing with in Galatia? There there are a lot of them, but the primary one is mentioned in verse 2. It says, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Well, that's it. That's the yoke. The the, the, the chief thing on the the list of uh, 613 things to do, one of them is get circumcised the Jewish Christians who had been circumcised as a child, they came in and they say, all of you Gentiles need to be like a Jew and then you can be a real Christian. Yoking them to this law all all over again. Enslaving them all over again. Now, there's nothing wrong about circumcision. There's nothing illegal about circumcision. There's nothing immoral about circumcision. There's nothing unbiblical about circumcision. As a matter of fact, circumcision is in the Bible. It comes from the Old Testament where where God had made covenants with the Jews and the circumcision was a symbol. It symbolized the covenant that God had made with the Jews. But by this point in time, thousands of years later, the Jews had kind of forgotten that it was just symbolic of what God does. And they believed that that it was something effectual, something spiritually applicable from the act of circumcision. That, yeah, faith in Jesus is good. Yeah, I know Paul told you that, but he didn't tell you everything. You also need to be circumcised, and then you are really saved. You're kind of like not really quasi halfway saved and then you get really saved once you get circumcised. But there's nothing illegal or moral about circumcision itself. Paul, being a good red-blooded Jew that he is, he was circumcised. Paul told one of his protégés, Timothy, that it would be good for him to get circumcised because then it would open up new doors of ministry for him. And so at issue is not the act of circumcision. What the issue is, is this idea that I add something to faith in Jesus. That circumcision is somehow spiritually impactful and not just a symbol that it was originally to be. And so these Judaizers had come in and said, you need to be yoked up to the law. 
You need to get circumcised. And here comes the yoke, and here comes the straps, and here comes the heavy cart, and all the things. And they're going to jab those uh, Galatians in, in, the, in the ribs to get them to do exactly what they wanted them to do. Now, Paul says there's some consequences to all of this. Verse 2. The consequences to yoking yourself up to the law, yoking yourself up to a list of doing good things. Verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Well, that's the first consequence of yoking yourself up to, a law, to the law of doing good things. The consequences is, what benefit is Jesus to you then? It's either or. I preached an entire sermon entitled, Either or either it's somebody from outside of you that can provide you uh, righteousness or you have to do it yourself. It's either or. And so if you are choosing that it's going to be not grace, but it is going to be the works of the law, getting circumcised, well then what, what benefit is Jesus to you at all? What, what does that matter to you about who Jesus is if you think it's circumcision that's going to get it to you? So that's the first consequence. Jesus is of no benefit to you. Secondly, the second consequence of yoking yourself up to the law, verse 3. And I testify again that to every man who receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. Now you are obligated to keep the entire law. You need to be perfect. <laughs> All 613. You thought you were in deep before by just getting circumcised. Oh no, that was the easy one. You now have another 612 that you better keep with perfection or you're out of heaven. There's, there, there's only two ways into heaven. Someone else provides you perfectness or you provide perfectness for yourself. And if you decide it's not grace, I'm not gonna receive grace from Jesus, it, this unmerited, unworked for benefit from his, his death on the cross, if, if you're not choosing that, then you're choosing the entire law, not just the one of circumcision. So that beam that was put on the weight of the Galatians just got 612 pounds heavier. You better keep the whole thing. You better be perfect. Consequence number one, Jesus is of no benefit to you. Consequence number two of yoking yourself to law, well, you better be perfect, my friend. Consequence number three, look at verse four. You have been severed from Christ you who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. You have fallen from grace. It's, if you're not going to receive the grace that comes from Jesus, if you attempt to be justified by doing good things, by identifying with being a good person, try to make God happy with you by doing a list of do's and don'ts, you have fallen out of the need of grace. You're going to do it on your own. What benefit? Christ is of no benefit to you. You now better be perfect. You, you're severed from Christ. There's, you've fallen out of the need of grace. And the consequence number four is in verse five. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You are now excluded from, verse 5, you are excluded from righteousness. 
Those who have taken God's grace, they're looking forward to perfect righteousness. Jesus wrapping us in our robes of righteousness is, is, a, is looking forward to the time when we will really be perfect. And Jesus is going to do that. But if you're going to work at it on your own, then you are excluded from righteousness. Now let's apply all of this to like Grace Community Church in Riverside because I, I know we're kind of using terms that really aren't like now. If someone were to ask you, are you going to heaven? And you say, yeah. And they ask you how or why do you think that? How you answer determines if you're experiencing these consequences. If you say, hey, yeah, you know, I'm a pretty good dude. I, 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 I'm not perfect by any means. I, I've done some bad stuff, but I've made up for it. Uh, I've, I've been more obedient to my parents. I, I, no longer, uh, I no longer speak to my wife in the way that I used to. Um, I don't steal from work. I'm even church on a Sunday morning in the summer. And when I have extra money, I give some money into the, the offering bag. And so, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm definitely not, I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm pretty good. You are living under the law. You are living under a list of things to do. And I'm here to tell you that either you're perfect or you don't get in. You've, you're severed from Christ. You are now obligated to be perfect. Y you have fallen from grace. There's no hope of righteousness. You're like, but, but I'm pretty good. I, like, compared to the person I'm sitting next to, true. <laughs> I don't even know why you're sitting next to them, okay? Like, you are way better than they are. I, I, I think the only reason you're sitting next to them is, you know, that, that just, just tells you how great you are, that you would put up with them. I get it. But the Bible says all that is filthy rags and compared to God's righteousness. Yeah, you're pretty good. But it fails in comparison to how righteous and holy and perfect God is. Perfection is the only way to get to heaven. It's either someone that gives you that perfection through Jesus Christ and grace, or it's doing it on your own. And so these people were flirting with the consequences of yoking themselves up all over again to a whole other set of, of slavery. Now remember, today's all about freedom, and none of that is freedom. A yoke isn't freedom. Slavery isn't freedom. Having no benefit from Christ is not freedom. Having, having no, no righteousness or falling from grace or needing to be perfect, none of that is freedom. That is slavery. But we've been freed from that. We've been freed from that slavery. Now, the next section here, verses 7 to 12, Paul goes after whoever is spreading this or teaching this in the church. And these verses could be an entire sermon series all in and of themselves. But we're going to move through it quickly. If I was to give one main idea here, it's just a little bit of bad doctrine can mess up an entire church. That's, that would be the overview. Just a little bit of bad doctrine can
can mess up an entire church. Look at verse 7 real quick. For you are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were running well. That's referring to the Christian's life up until this point. They heard the good news, the true gospel, and they got saved, and they were living the way that they should have lived. But then something changed, verse 8. This persuasion, what persuasion? This, this group of people that have come in, these Judaizers, this persuasion has come in and said, no, no, no. There's a little bit more to it. Paul didn't tell you everything. I mean, he was a used car salesman. He showed you the shiny side of the car, but now we kind of have to show you the, the dirty other side of the car. And the dirty other side is, is, yes, faith in Jesus is good, but there's more to finish your salvation, and that is circumcision and the rest of the 613 laws. And he says in verse 8, this persuasion did not come from him who calls you. Who is it that calls you? It's God. God is the one who calls you. And so this message did not come from God. This is another gospel that comes from somebody else. And so verse 9 is kind of the main idea in this section. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. There was this trouble in Galatia, and Paul knew that if it was left there, it was going to blow up the entire church. And I don't, don't just mean one church. I mean all of the churches in the area. We've already read about historians have looked back and noticed how effective uh, Paul and the churches in this area were. All of that was going to be blown to bits if this little bit of yeast in the bread is allowed to stay and that dough rises too much, boom, you're done. You're done. He needed to cut this thing out before it got to a point where the church just completely blew up. So verse 12, I love this one. I wish that those who are troubling you, meaning those Judaizers are coming in with this bad doctrine, I wish those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Yeah! <laughs> Boom! Okay? Now this isn't like some vindictive thing that Paul's going after them, you know. Remember the culture that they're living in. They're living in a culture where you're worshiping gods and goddesses. And one of the key, one of the main goddesses of the area, the way that the men proved their devotion to the goddess was to self-castrate themselves, self-mutilate themselves as a way to prove to the god how, how they deserved their smiles. That, that, was, that was what was happening in the culture. And so Paul, he's just doing the math. He says, coming into your churches are a bunch of people who are telling that you have to cut some things too. You have to circumcise yourself. He's just equating the two. How different is this really? It's not really much of a difference. As a matter of fact, Paul says, if these Judaizers saw circumcision as spiritually effective, as circumcision as the way of salvation, they should go all the way like their pagan neighbors. I mean, they're only going halfway compared to what their pagan neighbors are doing. Their pagan neighbors are more into it than they are, if that's what they really think. They should mutilate themselves. But this is all about freedom. That's not freedom. All of this is slavery. This is the law. This is the yoke. Why are you going back to all of these things? And so we finally get to the point that Paul is making about our freedom, verse 13. Verse 13 says, For we were called to freedom. Yeah, America. 
For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Go back to verse 13. You can see how Paul lays this out. You're called to freedom. You were a slave. You, were, you had the yoke of the paganism. You were freed from that, and now you're considering being yoked up and enslaved all over again, but don't do that. You're called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Now, of course, we live in the flesh, like touch yourself. <laughs> we, 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 are, we are flesh. But this is saying that we don't use the spiritual freedom that we have to do whatever we want because that is slavery. You've been freed from sin. You've been freed from your ability or desire to do whatever you want to do. You've been freed from that. And so, don't use your new spiritual freedom to go do whatever you want to do. You're free. That's slavery. Instead, or but, verse 13, but through love serve one another. That word serve could easily be translated slave for one another. So get the math that Paul is doing. This is crazy. He says you were a slave to your sin. You were a slave to your flesh. You were a slave to your law, but now you're freed so that you can be a slave to other people in your church. That is freedom. You were a slave to your flesh and to sin, and now you've been, you, you receive that faith. You put your faith in Jesus when you heard the gospel, and now, because of love, we are slave to each other in our church, in Grace Community Church in Galatia, and Grace Community Church in, in Riverside. Now, I know that that's, not the kind of freedom they told you about. That's the title for today's sermon. If you go on, your, on our website and start looking for this sermon, the title for today's sermon is Freedom Isn't What They Told You. Freedom isn't what they told you that it was. I, I know that they told you that freedom was doing whatever you want to do, but verse 13 says you don't turn your freedom in an opportunity to do whatever you want to do. Okay, because, I mean, in these churches... What you wanted to do was, as a Judaizer, as a Christian who was circumcised, you wanted to disparage those other people in your church who weren't circumcised. That's what you wanted to do. You wanted to gossip about them. You wanted to put them down. You wanted to cuss them out. You wanted to remove them from your church. That's what you wanted. That's what your flesh wanted you to do. But now... You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And now you don't do that. Now, instead of being a slave to what you want to do, you now become a slave. You begin to serve, with, serve the other people in your church that you don't like. Now, how in the world can you do that? Well, verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as 
yourself. He's quoting, interestingly, ironically, he's quoting Old Testament law <laughs> to try to convince them not to be bound to the law. And he says, you love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. Instead of being a slave to what you want, you become a slave to what other people in your church want, especially the ones that you don't like. Like, how in the world could I even do that? How is that even, how's that even possible? There's a key thing in all this. It was the day that they had faith in Christ. That was the turning point. There was a time when they were enslaved to their sin, enslaved to the flesh, enslaved to the law. They, they couldn't have ever done that. But when they put their faith in Jesus, something happened. Something can't, you receive something when you put your faith in Jesus that, that slavery can never give you. You receive something when you put your faith in Jesus that being yoked up to the law can never give you. You receive something when you put your faith in Jesus that doing good things can never give you. And that is love. Doing good things is not love. Doing good things is, you could hate the person and still do something good for them. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you receive something called love. You know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect, and yet God loved me anyway. We sang songs about that this morning. And so now we know how it's possible for someone to love the unlovable. And so, you are no longer a slave to your sin and you're a slave to flesh. You now are free to be a slave to serve other people in your church, even the ones that you don't like. The, the only way that you can have a correct relationship with each other is by having a correct relationship with God first. That's the order. You receive the love that comes from God and then that love wants to do things that would fulfill everything in the law. Out of love, not because of duty, but because of love. So remember, I told you today that I was gonna tell you what Paul said. I was gonna show it to you and I was gonna remind you what it was. And so this is what Paul says. Christian freedom is not doing whatever I want to. Christian freedom is doing what is right even if I don't want to. I know that that's not what they told you freedom was. They told you it was America. Don't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. I, I know that that's a culture we live in. I, 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 to, I, I totally understand. And that, and that idea fills every part of our life. It, it, it changes the way that we work. Don't tell me what to do. It changes our, our marriage. Don't tell me what to do. It changes uh, parenting. I'm going to tell you what to do. <laughs> that idea changes everything. And I, look, as an American, we are free to do lots of stuff. I, we, are, we are very independent. We have, we have enormous freedoms. I just wrote some down. Here's some things that we are free to do. We are free to get, to get a divorce no matter the reason. We are free to kill babies in the womb. We are free to help someone kill themselves who don't want to be alive in euthanasia. We are free to get drunk. 
We are free to get high. Men can dress as women. Women can live as men. We are free to marry somebody that is of the same gender. We are free to consume as much pornography as we want. But that's not freedom. That is slavery. That's the point. Do I do all those things that I'm free to do? No. Because that's slavery to the flesh and that's slavery to sin. I I get it. You might want to consume pornography. I totally get it. But that's being a slave to your flesh. And Christ has died on the cross. You don't have to fight for your freedom. Your freedom has already been given to you. We just walk in it or live in it. Or as verse uh, verse 1 says, we just stand in it. You might want to drink whatever you want to drink. Because I'm free. But that's slavery. You're not free. That's being a slave to your sin and being a slave to flesh. You might want to divorce your spouse because they're a Raiders fan. (laughs) Okay, maybe a thumbs up on that one. You know, the Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, and I have family that just in the last two months have moved to Las Vegas, so I'm praying for their salvation all over again. (laughs) I mean, I get it that you want to divorce your spouse for whatever reason you want, but that is being a slave to your sin. And that's why Christians wouldn't live in that. Did you know that the Bible has really no understanding of Christians who just like, always sin just always all the time all the time all the time the, the bible does understand christians as they it describes it as tripping into sin or falling into sin well yeah a christian will sin and then a believer will confess their sin to god jesus will wash their feet clean they'll apologize i don't ever want to do that again and the holy spirit will help that christian not do that thing ever again. A Christian is never going to become sinless. That's not the expectation. But a Christian can and should sin less and less and less as their life goes on. Why? Because we are not a slave to doing whatever I want to do. But we live in America where I can do whatever I want to do. But Christian freedom isn't what they told you it was. Freedom isn't what they told you it was. So now let's get to the context of these verses, verses 13, 14, and 15. As an American, as, as a citizen in Riverside, you are free to hate other people here at Grace Community Church. No one's going to arrest you to hate other people at Grace Community Church. You are free to disparage anybody you want in this church through gossip. As an American, you are free to gossip about anybody you want in this church. As an American, no one's going to arrest you if you make demands on everybody in this church. No one's going to write you a ticket if you have expectations but you don't contribute to the church family. No one's going to arrest you for that. There's no tickets for those things. There are not going to be police cars if you say to, your, say to someone in the church or say to the pastor, hey, don't bug me, just provide this for me and we're all good. <laughs> You're completely free to do those things. And in Galatia, 
as as an American in Galatia in the first century? Hey, you're free to not like the uncircumcised. You're free to 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 not not like the the circumcised. And yet verse 15 says that is devouring one another. That's not freedom. That's slavery. That's a yoke. And so Christian freedom isn't what they told you that it was. Maybe it isn't what you thought. Christian freedom is doing what is right even if I don't want to. It is loving uh, the person that's on your bottom 10 list in, at Grace Community Church. Christian freedom, you are freed from doing whatever you want. I know what you want to do. <laughs> I know what you want to say to them. I know what you want to think about them. But you've been freed from that. And so, as now that you are free, you now serve them instead. And the only reason that it's possible, the only reason that you can, is because you put your faith in Jesus. And now you have love, something that you were un- unfamiliar with before. Now, I probably, as I started preparing this, looking back on it, if you were to ask me to define freedom or even Christian freedom, I probably would not have defined it like this when I started. But that's what the Bible does. The, the, the reason that we study the Bible is to change our mind from the way that we thought it to the way that God thinks it. And so that's what we're doing today. So, so, so now you have your head all full of knowing what it is. Now we need to apply this. Like, wh- How does this work out in, in a church? How does this work out among us in, in our own lives? Well, in our small groups here at Grace, men's small groups, women's small groups, we memorize the Bible a lot. And there's one verse that, that's very applicable to this. Okay? It's Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Uh, you might be very familiar with this. Maybe you're not. And here's what he says. He says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Okay, so this is talking about Christians in a church. Paul is talking about these Galatian churches that are going to explode if they don't deal with this issue in their church of creating a we and a them and a, and a their nots and a we ours and, and they're on the outs and we're on the ins because of this issue of the law. And this is the way that we apply this. So here's what I want. I want you to look around this. Look around. I mean, we're talking about each other here. Okay. This is like some other group of people. <laughs> this is like us. So I look around, look at the people in the room, and look for someone like on your bottom 10 list. <laughs> but don't look them in the eye because they might be looking at you, and now you know you're on the other. So just kind of like look around. The people in the back have it much easier than the people in the front. People in the front are like, okay, I know exactly where they are. Okay, look around for the, why are you all looking at me? Am I on your bottom 10 list? <laughs> okay, l- Look at the corner of your eye if someone on your bottom 10 list 
They might be on your bottom list because, I don't know, you don't like them or they said something to you one time, they hurt your feelings or they don't do it the way that you do it, don't do it or they, they, they think differently than you or they, whatever it is. So now we go to this verse. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard them, that person, as more important than yourself. How can you do that? You've been freed from sin. You've been freed from your flesh. You have your faith in Christ. You've received love. And so now we love that person even if we don't like it. And so the verse is, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also that person on your bottom 10 list. That's the application for Christians in this room. There, there are two groups of people in here. There are people who are not Christians, the people who are. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so today, I don't want you to be good. I don't want you to be nice to somebody. I want you to put your faith in Jesus. You've heard the good news of who Jesus is. He's died on the cross for your sin. And so all that it takes is personal faith, believing that Jesus is God, that he's died on the cross for your sin, and he can wash away your sins. And so there might be someone in here that needs that. And all of us, the rest of us, are believers. And it's possible that there's someone on your bottom 10 list (laughs) and everybody knows it because we forgot the love part. We, We forgot looking out for their interests. And so as a believer, you're going to respond to what the Bible says because if not, it is going to tear Grace Community Church apart. Well, that and bad doctrine. So let's not get into either one of those two. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to talk to God. It's just called prayer. And you don't know the person next to you. You know, like y- you know that you do or don't have to deal with something, but you don't know about the person next to you. So just leave them alone. Give them a little bit of space just for a sec, just so that they can deal with God here for a minute. And if you know that you need Jesus, that you need want to apply his His payment on the cross to your sins you just talk to God about it you don't need to raise your hand or same thing out loud you can just talk to him in the comfort of your own heart and this is what you say you say dear God I know that I have sinned I, I know that I've done things that I shouldn't have done and I know that I can't be perfect and I, I know that I'm desperate I, there's eternal judgment for this and, and I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I believe in Him. I believe that He is God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins because He was perfect and I am not. And I believe that Jesus proved that He was God when He rose from the grave on Easter Sunday morning. And so I put my faith, my trust, my belief in this Jesus to take away my sins. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, the immediate promise is, yeah, the Holy Spirit does come live inside of you immediately. Your sins are forgiven immediately. You now have the hope of eternity in heaven immediately. It'll never go away, no matter what you do. Now, most of you are Christians today, and, and it's possible that you've been living, you know, like in, in doing whatever you want. You know, that's called sin. 
and you're going back to slavery again. And so today's the day where you can get that right with God. You can apologize to him. Just in comfort of your own silence in your own heart, God can read your mind. He can read your heart. And you can say, God, I'm sorry for doing it my own way, for doing the things that I want to do and saying the things that I want to say and, and hurting the people that I wanted to hurt and taking the things that I wanted to take, spending the money that I wanted to do. That, that was wrong. It hurts me. It hurts you. And I don't want to do those things again. You know, it's God that cleans up your life. It's not you that cleans up your life. You confess your sin and he will begin to sanctify you. Wash your feet clean. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what, um, what you taught us today. And God, I pray that you would protect our church from, yeah, this bad doctrine that would certainly tear us apart of living by a list of rules. But I also pray that you would protect our church from biting and devouring each other by applying these things in, in our personal lives. It would move from our head to our heart today. And we pray this in Jesus' name.